This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. But while you're standing and turning, please continue to listen. We have to understand what this is all about and who our God really is. Especially in the West, especially in North America, we have done a great job as a culture and society of convincing ourselves of who God is. And what He owes us or what we deserve from Him. Oh man, I'm... You know what I'm feeling this morning? I'll tell you what I'm feeling. The fear of the Lord. And we say, we say, oh no, the fear of the Lord, that's not revival. You better change the way that you think about how we relate to a holy God. There, there's there's a, something that takes place in the book of Acts chapter number five. And I know we probably, I'm not going to preach from there this morning, but it's this story. If I say their names, you'll know. Ananias and Sapphira. And we say, is God really like that? Is, is that Old Testament God? Is that how Jesus really is? What happened with those two people is not that they didn't give their money. It's not that they weren't a blessing to the church. It's the fact that they lied about it. But hear, me, hear this preacher today. They lied to the Holy Ghost and they lied to themselves thinking that they could get away. And as a result of that, this holy God said, I can't have this in my pure bride. So it had to go. But when they perished, when that was gone, it says in verse 11 of Acts 5, and great fear came upon all the churches and upon as many as heard these things. And the very next verse says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. In verse number 14, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both men and women. And they brought forth their sick in the streets and laid them on beds in the couches just that the shadow of Peter might pass by them and heal them. You want to know what is the precursor to some of these things in the miraculous? It is when we have a proper understanding of the fear of the Lord and a holy God that we serve. Oh, so, so fear of the Lord isn't revival. You better, we better check the way we think about this. Because when we get in proper alignment with a holy God, it allows for things to be put right to be how they should be in Jesus' name. So therefore, in Genesis chapter number 4, 
we're going to begin reading in verse number one. And I'll say this as we're going there. This is probably, in my opinion, this is the most, this is just me, this is the most relatable passage of Scripture in the book of Genesis to our humanity. I know that might strike us as like, well, what about the garden? We, none of you grew up in the garden. We didn't have, we weren't, we weren't in the garden. We don't have fond memories of the garden. I mean, my mom had a garden growing up. I don't have very fond memories of pulling weeds in the garden. But this is the first passage of humanity born into a fallen world. And this is one of the most rich stories in Scripture, in my opinion. It begins with this. Now, Adam knew, his, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, which means to acquire or possession, and said, I have acquired a man of the Lord. And she bore again, this time, his brother Abel, which means breath or nothing. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, or the the King James Version would say wroth, and his countenance fell. He was depressed. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And it's, hear this, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, up against Abel his brother and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He said, I, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Real quickly this morning in John chapter 10, 10, the verse, you probably know this by heart, but it's going to be up on the screen. John chapter 10 in verse 10. It says this, it says, the thief does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. For a little while here this morning, I just want to preach to you from the heart of a pastor, the heart of a shepherd, really. What is on the other side of your door? What's on the other side of of this door? Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord.
Everyone okay? All right. So far, so good. We'll see. I just want to preach to you a little bit here today, and I don't intend to, I don't know, I don't know how the rest of the service is going to go. I'm not trying to say, this is, bless God, this is how it's going to be, and we're just going to end up shouting and dancing and all these sorts of things. I'm not really so sure about that. I, I, it's not even one of the, these instances where I'm just saying, well, I, here, I'm just going to preach this formulaic service and just kind of like we typically like to do, as maybe you know me, I, I like to just preach and, and just kind of take off and go. And lot, I, I just want to talk to us for a little while here this morning. Is that okay? Is that all right? I don't, know, I don't know. I'm not saying, oh, okay, let's have the musicians come and play something fast and let's all just worship ourselves in a frenzy. Really, I think there's something more potent that needs to take place within our hearts and our minds this morning. Because we can be a worshiping church, we can be a praising church, but are we a holy church? Are we a pure bride? In Azusa Street, there was this prophecy that, that came forth in Azusa Street. It said something to the effect of this. It said that there will, a time will come when there will be a people that will worship a God that they do not pray to. Right, right. Because worship, in our worship and in our sacrifice, just like Cain had offered a sacrifice. Cain had offered a sacrifice to the Lord. We, we can do our sacrifice. We can come through and do the motions of sacrifice. and We, we can do all of that and, and feel like we've done some good. But it was when Cain and God came together that something had to change. That he had to confront something within himself. And you can come every Sunday morning and every Sunday night and Wednesday night or come to a rally or come to revivals or go to youth convention or go to the conferences. You can do all these things. And we can go and do our worship and, and our praise and it's great, but, but it's what about those times when you are talking to a holy God and he wants to get down deep inside of this heart right here. That Brady, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you, I'm just saying, you're sitting here, so it's like it's your fault for sitting here. But it's like, you could go up there and play the bass, or you could go do the guitar, or like 15 other instruments that you know. It's just obnoxious that you know so many things, but like whatever. But like you could do all of those things, and that's great, but, but what about that time of prayer? Right? And I'm not, yeah, okay, you get it. Like, but what about that time of prayer? Like, I can do lots of things, but what about that, that holy time when, when, I talk, when you talk to God and, and you get together with Him and there's nothing else and nobody else? We fear those times sometimes. We're afraid of that, the, opening the door to that because of what we know in here. I wonder... Because here's, here's where this, this passage is, is, is just so, it's so profound. Um, th there are some that say, even some actually Christian believers that will say that this is, you know, that Genesis and a good portion of Genesis is just kind of um, mythology and stories and, and moral stories like, like Jonah or something like that, that would just kind of, or Job, like Jonah and Job, that would just kind of be like these moral stories for, for believers to go by. But can I just tell you that this this story here is so, like how early it was written in history and how deep and profound it is. It is too sophisticated 
to just be another story. It's, it's like if we, like sometimes we read it and we say, oh, okay, so like, don't kill your brother. Like that's the takeaway. <laughs> well, yes, that's true. Like don't do that. <laughs> and we could like jump to the New Testament where we talk about how we, we kill each other with our words, right? So we ought to be careful how we talk to each other because we kill each other with our words. Even James talks about that, about our tongue, and, and, about, and with our tongue we unleash hell. That's the words from James. He's, okay, is this all right? Like he's, This is what we talk about. But there's something else that's taking place within this story that, that happens at the very beginning through, and, and really in the middle of it that is so deeply sophisticated and profound that as believers we have to re- realize that this resonates with us. This resonates with us on a, on a very base human level. And that's why I say it's probably the most influential story in, in Genesis because it is the first occurrence of humanity at its basest dealing with the things concerning the Lord. Now we read that it is Cain that is born first. He is the older one. And as the older one, as tradition may have put it, that he would have been the one that was the preferred brother. He was the older brother. How many of you have older siblings that always seem to get better treatment? Come on, raise your hands. You know that it's true. We got some witnesses. Savannah, you got both hands in the air right now. You just, you're feeling it. And, and, if, and I think that there might be, yeah, like Ashley's like, what are you talking about? And yeah, yeah. even James is like, what? She's the favorite. Everybody knows it. There's going to be some repentance. I don't know who's going to do it, but someone's going to repent over that. But it's those older siblings that seem to get that preferential treatment. It's usually, I'll put it like this. It's usually the oldest one and the youngest one. And everybody in between is just kind of like, well, what are you here for? <laughs> all, you, all the middle children said amen. Wow, I feel it right now. <laughs> you, say, you say all the Langer children, all the middle children for the Langer say amen, and it's just like... It's just as loud as everybody in the congregation saying amen almost. A lot of children. Lots of middles. Okay. It's that middle, it's that, but it's that second style. So, so Cain is born first, and he, it means to acquire a possession. It's about what he can have. Not that he was just acquired uh, from Eve, but it's, it's it, that was born into his being. What can I have? And then... And then Abel was born, and his name means breath or nothing. And in life groups in November, spoiler alert, we're getting into the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes, there's this phrase that repeats itself over and over again, vapor, right? Everybody familiar with Ecclesiastes? If you're not, that's fine. Just read that book. It's a really good book. But it's like vapor, like vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity, right? That word vanity is, is, is derived from the word Abel. And his life, Abel's life, was like nothing. It was, it was there for a moment, and then it was gone. Okay, so what we find here is that these two sons are born, and, it, it, and, and over the course of time, this is just ten verses, but there's a lot of time that takes place within these ten verses. And in these ten verses that takes place, what happens is Cain brings an offering, and then uh, of his first fruits of the land, he was a tiller of the ground, and so he had... He had produce that he brought in. And Abel brings an offering. He was a tender of the flock. He was a shepherd. And so he brought um, a lamb for an offering. And, and you see how this plays out within this 
passage of Scripture here. And what we find is this. Is, and I, there's a lot of depth, and I'm going to get into this here in a little bit. Again, I hope this is all right here this morning. But what we find is this, is that in these offerings that are presented, it is the younger son's offerings that are accepted. And the older son's offerings in himself are rejected. Now, as an older brother, that would bring a lot of irritation. It would bring a lot of frustration. You'd be upset about that. What? Yeah, yeah, at least, like, talk about it. And another thing. <laughs> it's like you have this Abel that everything he does seems to go well. And then everything I do seems to go wrong. I'm not talking to anybody here today. Let me just preach to us here today for a second. And let me just ask you this question. In your life, in your life, has it been recently, have you noticed, maybe you haven't, maybe things, everything's going swimmingly for everybody. Like, maybe everyone here is just having a great life, and I better not mess it up right now. But, just in case, have you noticed that things have been difficult for you? And that it seems like other people seem like they're blessed, and other people seem like they can get by just fine, but it seems like you just seem to struggle sometimes with what you do. Right? And you're going through cycles, and you're going in circles. Anybody, am I talking to anybody here today that seems to be making, just making the, making the journey, just going in circles, and never really making any progress? Am I talking to anybody here today? And so what happens is this, is that after this offering is not accepted, and, after it's, he's not, and he is not accepted, that, the Lord, that he becomes angry, and he becomes depressed. Because that's exactly what happens to us. When, when we are not accepted. And our world, our whole world is taking full advantage of that. It's taking advantage of that and saying, well, if you're not accepted, we're just going to take you. We're just going to co-opt you. We're just going to bring you in and take you in. And you, you have a place where you belong. Yeah. And you know why they want to do that? Because they want to use you. I'm just going to be a real pastoral here this morning. The world wants to use you. Young ladies, young men, the world wants to use you. It wants to take you and to corrupt your life and to make it such that you've got pain and suffering to show for it and anger and depression to show for it. That's what the world wants to do. That's what the world wants to do. And it packages it and presents it in a most beautiful way. It gives it in such a way that it's so beautiful and it's so appealing and it looks so good and it even might be innocent in your own eyes. It could, it could even, God help us, but it could even be related to what we do in our worship and in our church. Because Cain was offering sacrifice. And in I and Sapphira, they were giving up their money. They were, it, was all, it was all part of the, isn't that what we're supposed to do? But something got into them. Something got deep into them. That while Abel was doing what he should have done and what was respected by God, there was something inside of Cain that says, I will not do what he does. I know that that's what God wants. 
I know that that's what God requires. I know that that's what God will expect of me and that he will reward me. But I will not do what he wants. I'll do what I want to do. And then when God confronted Cain, Cain, did, Cain had every opportunity in the world to take a step back and to say, you know what, Lord, you're right. Can I just tell you, as a pastor in confrontation, I don't mind confrontation, but I don't go around loving conf- confronting people about stuff. I don't go around going, I just can't wait who I can confront and potentially offend today. Like, I don't have a list. It's like, Brother Powell, I haven't offended him recently, so I think we gotta, we, I got to offend you now, and, and I'm just going to confront you on something. I, I don't know what that would be, you know. Or, or Geo, or who, whomever. Like, I was like, talk to somebody else. So. <laughs> like, I don't go around looking for somebody to offend, but if there is something that needs to be confronted, I, I need to do it. I'm a shepherd. I'm a shepherd. I got to confront it. Can't let little snakes and little things run rampant in the, in, in the flock. I have to confront it. Is that okay? In love, in love, right? In love. But this isn't, this isn't your pastor. This, this, wasn't, this wasn't Cain's dad, let's say, coming to him. This was the Lord. And the Lord came to him. And God talked to him. And Cain said, the Lord talked to me and gave me an opportunity. But what did Cain do in light of that opportunity? He turned and he killed the only thing that was standing in the way of him being the only option that there was. He killed the example. Let me just say this. You might not like the way that God does things, but don't tear down what He does. Because sin is lying at the door. And Scripture says that its desire is for you. And I wonder what would happen if we took, oh man, I'm sorry to have to do this to your church. This should probably be like a one-on-one conversation, but since there's so many of us, I just got to have it all out right now. I wonder what would happen if we took a serious look at sin. Sin. This is in scripture, this is the first time the word sin is used. And the Bible says, can we bring that verse up? Uh, actually, I think it's was it verse seven ish? Let's say seven. Genesis four seven. Okay. If you do well, if you do well, if you listen to what I tell you. You will be accepted. Isn't that what we want? I want not just, not just within our, our person, our being to be accepted, but ultimately everybody wants to be accepted by God, by our maker, by our creator. Isn't that what we want? Cain, isn't that what you want? But if you do not do well, sin is at the door. And the Bible says its desire is for you. That word desire... What does that word desire mean? Let me put it to you like this, because in the old 
old world language. Sometimes we don't understand some of that language. But go back to Genesis 4 and 1, if you would, please. Genesis 4 and 1, and it begins like this. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife. Knew. Like, I hope they knew, they'd known each other. Like, they, they, they were, like, hanging out in the garden for a long time. And they, no, that's not what no means in the Old Testament language, right? Is this okay? It's like, it's like a bunch of adults saying, I don't know if we can talk about this. Like, what are you talking about? It's your Bible. Like, the Bible talks about it. And by the way, oh, never mind. <laughs> Whew, that was so close. Nice try, devil. No. <laughs> Uh, to know, to know, to know. That word means more than just an acquaintance. It means intimacy. It, what, it, what it really means is sexual intimacy. Oh. It's in your book. Like, it's in your textbook. It's not mine, it's yours. It's God's word. That's what it means. But it goes on to say this, that if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, door, and it's desire. Desire. The word desire is derived from the Hebrew word teshukah, which means longing or craving. Hear this today. Longing or craving as a man longs or craves for a woman or a woman longs or craves for a man. Sin is presented as this predatory animal that is at the door looking to take, is this all right? Looking to take in the same way that a man would long after a woman in a predatory way, that type of advantage over Cain. I wonder if we could really treat sin the way it needed to be treated. Because you know how we think sin presents itself to us as? We think sin presents itself to us like a devil. Like a, like a devil that's, or a giant. Like, like, like Jesse, stand up. Like, like, that's what I'm talking about. We, now, you're not the embodiment of sin, okay? Like, let's just get this out of the way. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone's okay. Everyone's all right. Okay. <laughs> Woo. And all of you are like, I'm glad he didn't pick on me. I'm, I'll never complain about being short again. Like, it's <laughs> well, don't worry. We got Zacchaeus coming up next week, so we'll use you. No, okay. But we think that sin presents itself in the most obvious way. Like, there it is. <laughs> and, it's, and, and, it's, and it's just going to attack me. Maybe he's not. One time, you can, okay, you can sit down. One time, I'll say this, one time at senior camp, I don't know if you remember this, I jumped on Jesse's back, and he just, like, walked like there's, like, I don't really know what happened, and he's trying to, like, brush it off. <laughs> so, you know, you try that, 200 and none of your business pounds getting on someone's back, like, like, it's not very comfortable. We think sin presents itself like that, but sin doesn't do that. It is predatory. It is at the door. And it's trying to weasel its way into your life. I wonder if we could, in, in this last year, and I'm going somewhere with this here this morning, so is this, 
Is this okay? I'm going to ask like two more times. He's like, this is right. I wonder what would happen as a people of God, as in your life and in my life, if we could treat sin the way it deserves to be treated. I wonder what would happen in our lives and in your life if you could handle and treat sin the way sin ought to be treated. Oh, come on, Pastor. We're supposed to talk about the love of God. We're supposed to preach about the blessings of God and the goodness of God and how great it is to live for God. And we can do all those things every other day of the week and every other Sunday. But on this Sunday, this preacher's talking about sin and how it's waiting at your door trying to take you. But you don't have to handle it. You don't got to deal with it. You don't have to mess with it. You let God take care of that issue. That doesn't mean you do nothing about it. That doesn't mean you have a role to play. Because sin is waiting at the door. So Cain, you have an option. What are you going to do? Here's, here's what, has, it, what creeps into Christianity. And it, and it just makes me so angry. I hope it's righteous indignation. I'm not really sure sometimes though. <laughs> but here's what creeps into Christianity. I'm going to play it to us like this. Now, when I say this, don't, get, don't think that I'm getting political. Okay? Is everyone all right with this? I'm not getting political. I have, there's no political point to any of this. Because if we think that, it, that politics is the game, it's so much deeper than politics. If we don't think that there's a spirit behind the politics, give me a break. So we've seen some things, we've heard some things in, in what's coming our way. Throughout the course of this pandemic that we've been dealing with, humanity's nature has been on display. Let me start with this and say this. The first, the first one, if you could throw that up there. How many of you remember this? Flatten the curve. Don't even start with me, folks. Don't even get political. This is not political. <laughs> I'm going to say this. I'll say this. I'll say this. COVID-19 is a real thing, okay? It's not a fake thing, right? People, people that have gone to church here, people that you know have died from this, okay? So it, it's a problem. And if somebody, like, we need to, we need to be caring and careful. Okay, I, 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 I get all of that. I get all of that. But flatten the curve? And so it says things like, don't congregate in groups. We're in trouble. Don't shake hands, give hugs, or touch your own face. Don't get in close contact with sick people. That's just smart anyway. Wash your hands. Maintain social distancing of six feet or more when you're walking or hiking or jogging or biking. I mean, so, so here's this notion, and, and some of you are just like, are so out of the spirit right now, you're just in the flesh, and you're just like, I'm upset about this. Rain it in. Rain it in. Rain your flesh in, because sin is at the door. Sin, oh no, this is, this is a deeper, no, 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 that's your flesh getting control. That's your flesh getting control, Cain. That's when God is talking to you, trying to deal with you about something, and then we just kind of deflect to it, and we say, well, it's all about something else. No, 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 get your flesh under control, because sin is at the door. Okay, so 
So this is how the pandemic was initially addressed. It said, first of all, flatten the curve. How many of you remember flatten the curve? Like, we remember that, right? Two weeks where you didn't go anywhere. And there was a curfew, and, and you had to go home, and you, had, you couldn't be outside. I remember I, was, I went for a walk, and nobody else, I mean, it was like a ghost town, right? Okay. And at that time, in fairness, we didn't really, uh, we, we didn't know a whole lot about COVID-19, so people were like, okay. You know, some people were like, all for it, and some people were like, okay, I guess, and others were, you know, were like, no, that's ridiculous. But whatever the case is, there was kind of a more like, oh, okay, I guess we'll kind of see where this thing goes. Um, let's go to the next one. The next one. Then it turned into this. No mask. No service. I'm not getting political. And I'm not getting scientific because I don't know much about any of this, any of this, okay? I know a little bit about a little bit, though. But it turned into this, and it said, it said, stay safe, Minnesota. Some of the words I really just hate. Stay safe, Minnesota. Stay safe. Stay safe, Olsons. Don't get too close to me. Yes, I'm, I'm getting closer. You need to wear a mask. Like, people get into your face. Like, you know. Okay. Stay safe, Minnesota. Stay safe. Okay. All right. So we did all that. We did all, we went, we went crazy. That's fine. Hey, you want to wear a mask? If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If that helps you and if you're, if you're at risk and you need that, I, I'm, I'm behind you. I'm not going to put anybody, we're not going to put anybody down for, for, for giving protection, like if that's what they feel like they need. That's fine. Right? Amen. Like, yes, yes, yes. High five even. Well, no, I mean, no. So, Okay. So, th- so then that happened. Okay, fine, 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 whatever, fine. And we just kind of went, and we all kind of went along with this thing, right? Maybe begrudge- some of us more begrudgingly than others, but we kind of went along with this thing. What's, the, what's our next one here? here? Here's where we're at now. Roll up your sleeves, Minnesota. Now we're getting into some really uncomfortable areas because there's so many varying opinions, Right? And, and again, I don't know the science. I, I, I don't claim to know. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't claim to know anything about anything. What I want to know is, is what the word of the Lord says for us to take this wretched soul, make it from this place called earth to that place called heaven. Like, that's what I need to know. Okay. But every effort's being made. And, and some things I don't understand about the vaccine. Some things I do. Like, I don't know if, I don't, I, I don't know if it's transmissible once you get the vaccine, if you can get it again, like there's all these factors, right? All these layers that come in. And some of you, your flesh is getting upset. You're starting to get to talk about some things. You're like, oh, yeah, well, I'll tell you. If you don't know, I'll tell you. <laughs> I can take you to my favorite blog about it. Like, I don't, whatever. I don't care about your blog. <laughs> right? I've got 15 YouTube videos on a playlist I made. I don't care about your YouTube videos, Okay. But this is a real issue that's taking place, right? This is a real issue that's confronting many people. Do or don't. Don't, don't, and, and listen, keep your opinion to yourself. Unless somebody wants to know your opinion, just keep it to yourself. I, I don't really, anyway, okay. But it's coming to that, and it's saying, roll up your sleeves, Minnesota, right? And, and, it's, it's, and, and then we go to the next one, which is no vaccine, right? No mask. No entry. 
No job. What's the next one? What we're seeing as a result of this, shortages everywhere. How about the trickle effect and how it's <laughs> ruining, it's, just, it's destructive. Okay, let's back up one. No, ma no, no vaccine, no mask, no entry, no job. No, I don't have another picture for you. Let's back, can we back up one, Ashley? I don't have a picture for you for this because I'm not, I don't, I don't know what, what to predict. And I don't, I'm not really interested in predicting anything. I'm interested in seeing, like, what, we don't see everything, but we see Jesus. Right? Is this okay this morning? But what's the next thing that's going to come after this? What's on the horizon? What's already in the works? And you can begin to you can begin to postulate what's in the works, but let me just tell you something that is in the works is Jesus Christ is returning for his bride. That's 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 all I know. That's that's all I know that Jesus Christ is returning. So what if they do what they do to you and me? So, hey, you know what? Expect to see one of these signs put on that door down there. Not put up by your pastor, not put up by the board, but put up by maybe a governmental official. Expect to see that. And when you see that, you don't got to go, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how we're going to have church. You need to rejoice. Thank you, Jesus. That means you're coming back sooner. That means it's approaching and it's coming and it's on its way. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, but I don't know what they're going to do. They knock at my door. They gave a vaccine. They make me take it. Or I'm going to go to jail. What do you do? What do you do when you have to be confronted with the decision between your faith and persecution? You say it's not a decision. That's an easy decision. I'm going to walk into it and rejoice and say, we sang about it this morning. Take me through the fire. Walk me through the water. Take me into the den of the lions. I don't care. Lord, it's all for you. And I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. And I wonder what would happen in our lives if we treated sin like the world treats a virus. Right? I wonder what would happen in our lives if we said, I'm keeping a distance from that. The Bible says this, to flee youthful lusts. You don't just kind of get closer to it and you say, oh, I wonder if I'll get sick and I wonder if this will affect me. No, you see it, run away from that nonsense. Talk about social distancing. Then fine, distance yourself from some stuff. Hear this preacher today. Keep yourself distant from some things. Putting on a mask, you say, well, well we, with the virus, putting on a mask, I don't know. Well, why don't you do that then and protect yourself? Let, let there be some kind of barrier and buffer between you and something. Let there be a layer of accountability between you and something else. Oh, because I don't want to handle sin like that. Or a vaccine. Oh, here we go. I don't know, I can't, I'm not trying to spiritualize vaccinations or anything like that, so don't worry about it. But what, what I take from that is something 
entering into your body that, that can change some things internally inside of you. So I wonder, before I go out at my door, because I don't know what's on the other side of my door, I wonder if I go out, before I go outside of my door, if I just get full of the Holy Ghost. And before I go outside of my door, I don't say, well, I'll just pray later once I get out in the field. I don't know. There's, there's sin that's waiting at the door. And so if sin is waiting at the door like a predatory animal waiting to devour you, then I better be at a place where I am full of the Holy Ghost when I get, when, if you really want to handle sin. But the problem is this problem is that we do kind of handle sin like the world handles the vaccine or like the world handles the virus you know what I mean because they do this at first and I'm not I'm not I'm not getting and this isn't political but this is what we've heard right this I'm just reflecting what we've been told we've been told it's six feet when it was actually three feet, right? We were told, don't touch any surfaces and wipe down everything. I went to a store the other day where they said, where I went into the store and they met me at the door with hand sanitizer. And I don't know, I mean, I, I'm not real smart, but I'm pretty sure coronavirus is airborne. Okay, thank you. All right. Okay. I don't, again, but they met me at the door with hand sanitizer. I said, will you put this on? I said, well, no. <laughs> and they were insistent. Then we find out that it's, that it's airborne, but still, there's insistence. Insistence, right? And then we find out that a mask helps a little bit. Two masks really help. And if two masks and a face shield and eye goggles is what you really need. You don't, see, you don't even see politicians running around with two masks face shields and eye goggles. What you see is them, they take it off. They take it in, in, in social gatherings, and when there aren't cameras flashing, they take it off. Because we do the same thing with sin. We, we change the narrative as it becomes convenient for us. If you get the vaccination, you can't get the virus and you can't transmit it to others. Well, except for now, you, as you can So hear me, I'm not, this, isn't about, this isn't about COVID-19, but this is about the way that we handle sin. We do the same thing. If I get the Holy Ghost, that means I'm impervious to sin. You still got your flesh. You'll have this corruption until the day that you die. When Paul says, I die daily. The reality is this is that we handle sin the way that our world has handled this virus and the way that's convenient for us. And the way that makes it seem like I'm offering up a sacrifice, and it might not be what God requires of me, but at least I'm doing something. I'm wearing one mask and when I should wear two and a face shield. But you know what? I, I don't really know. So I'll just wear one and I'll just be fine. Like, right? Okay. But here's, here's the issue is that we handle sin the same way. 
We handle sin and we say, you know what, at least, at least I'm not doing that. At least I'm not like them. And I may not be doing this, but I'm sure that God will be accepting of this. And God comes and talks to us. And you hear his voice. Imagine the, the complete arrogance of Cain when it wasn't like a pastor or a preacher. It wasn't fallible, man. It was God Almighty coming and talking to him. Imagine the arrogance of Cain when he heard the voice of God and he said, no, I will not change. And we don't handle sin the same way. How many of us in this very room have been dealing with the same thing day after day, year after year, in time after time, and season after season, it keeps coming along, maybe even to the point where you don't even pray about it anymore, where you don't talk to God about it anymore, and we just leave it, we say, I just, I guess I don't have to deal with it anymore, and what has happened in our lives is that some, in some ways, sin has taken root in our lives like a predatory animal, and has come and weaved its way into our hearts, and has produced producing a death in you, you don't even realize is coming. I wonder if we can really get our grip on sin and what sin does to our lives. The language that the Lord uses there when he says that its desire is for you is not just coincidental language. In James chapter 1, in verse 14, James tells us this very same language. It says that each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Pause right there. Hold on right there. What the Lord was telling Cain is he was telling Cain, you are failing because of what you are doing. Our world has broken. Hear, hear this preacher today. I feel resistance and I'm just going to preach this. You might not get another chance at this. So hear my, I'm just, I'm begging you, please. I'm like shaking up here. Hear, just hear, hear me today. Please, please hear me. Young men, I'm not, I'm not calling anybody out, but young men, young, young ladies, young people, hear this preacher today. That we live in a world that is trying to tell you it's not your fault. That everything that happens to you, not just our young people, all of us, everything that happens to you is a result of someone else, and there's somebody else to blame. But the Lord was talking to Cain, and he said, Cain, there's something that you have done that's not acceptable. But if you change what you're doing, you will be accepted. He was talking to Cain, and he's saying, Cain, you're not a victim. You've done this to yourself. In Jesus' name, right now, God, I come against and, and reject the notion of victimhood. Lord, in Jesus' name, that we are not victims. Your word tells us that we are more than conquerors. We are not victims. We're not somewhere that's down below. Lord, God, it's not all these things that have happened to us, Lord. I come against and reject that notion in Jesus' name. You're not a victim. I can't tell you. I, I can't explain. I don't know why what has happened to you has happened to you. And I'm sorry the things that have happened to you have happened to you. I'm sorry about those things, but can I tell you, you are not, a victim is not your identity. It's not what God wants you to be. He's not putting that label on you. He's saying, I've given you a better way. Do this and you will be accepted. Do this and God will find you. 
What about all the stuff that's happened to me? Lee, what about all the stuff that's happened to you in your life that you didn't ask for? Stuff that you didn't sign up for? What about all the stuff that came to your shores and came to your door and knocked on your door and you didn't, maybe you didn't know, but you still opened the door and let it in there. And we still let it in. And, and even when we have this powerful name of Jesus to come to our aid, even when we do that, we still let some things in the door. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching right now to talk to you about it. That those things that come knocking on your door and you hear in the back of your mind, I probably shouldn't do that. That, that doesn't happen to anybody else in here? And what do we do when we hear that voice? Probably shouldn't do that. We're going to go ahead and we go, well... I'll just, I'll just open it a crack. And that predatory animal opens the door. But hear this. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his, and, uh, drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Verse 15. Then when desire is conceived, that is, that's, that's um, birthing language that comes from intimacy, that comes from um, Adam knowing Eve, that comes from Cain knowing sin. That when intimacy, that Cain and sin made this unholy union, and when that desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, brings forth death. The Lord was telling Cain, there's your, 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 your enticement, your desire, it's right there. It's, it's, it's ready to open the door to something, and it's going to find you in trouble. And he's, and, and he's giving him a way out. He's giving him an answer. He said, do it differently. Do it the way Abel's doing it. Do it differently, and you'll be accepted. And Cain decided, he decided to do it his own way. He rejected what God was telling him. He rejected a better way. And so he said, I'm going to do this my own way. And when his desire was conceived, when he made, when that, when that, when when sin entered in and there was that desire of sin that had this unholy union with Cain, it brought forth, it gives birth and it brought forth sin in his life. And when it was full grown, it led to death. So what is behind your door? What's on the other side of your door? Oh, I would to God that we would treat sin the way sin ought to be treated. Hear me, hear this preacher today. I was woken up in the very early morning hours at 3 o'clock in the morning on Saturday morning. I was trying to sleep in that day. The Lord woke me up at 3 in the morning and I began to pray. I, I didn't know why. I didn't know what about. I didn't know how. I didn't even know. I just went downstairs. My, my wife was awake and so uh, upstairs, so I, I kind of nudged her and said, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to go pray. And I began to pray and I began to pray for this church. I began to pray for this church body and, and just in, enter into intercession. And I'm not saying anything about myself, but let me just tell you what the Lord's speaking to me because I'm here today and I believe that God's given me a word for you today. Amen. And so I began to pray and intercede for the church and all of a sudden, your names came before out of my lips without, e without looking at a directory, without even uh, knowing, knowing that I was going to do this. I began to say your names over and over and over and it went and I could see it in my in my eyes I could see this congregation just sitting there and it just went one after the other after the other after the other after the other and I'm looking here today and I can't see anybody here today whose name didn't come to my lips or come to my mind and I begin to pray and intercede for for the people of this church why I don't know why but can I tell you when I begin 
to just seek after the Lord and try to ask him, Lord, what is it that you're saying? Is it saying there's something that's on the other side of our doors and we have got to make it up within our minds, within this heart of ours, that we're not going to just reject what God is telling us, but we're going to say, God, if that's going on in my life, if there's sin that's on the other side of the door in my life, then I'm going to do whatever I have to do, oh God, to make sure that you are inside my heart, that you're standing there at the door and that you're taking every call because God, I don't want to enter in into this problem of sin. So what is on the other side of your door? We are not meant to live in fear. We're also not meant to live in fear. And the Lord tells this to Cain. The Lord tells this to Cain not so that Cain lives in fear, but so that he can correct his life. And the question for you that I have today is this. What is it that resides on the other side of your door? Because can I tell you right now, if you're hearing the word and you're hearing what God is speaking to you, can I tell you right now that there's also somebody else on the other side of that door? Revelation 3 and 20, this is the voice of Jesus. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. That whole concept, you know what's so beautiful about this? That whole concept of dining together in, in biblical times and in their culture was a concept of intimacy together, of closeness together, of close relationships together. And what sin does is sin comes in and it has its way with us through a very unholy, intimate sort of a a relationship and it brings forth something corruptible and deadly. But what the Lord does is when he comes into your heart and you open the door and let him in, he dines with you and you with him and he draws this closeness together with you in beautiful, pure relationship with God. So now, when sin lies at the door, as my pastor used to say growing up, when sin knocks at the door, and you see it, you look through the peephole and you see sin at the door, because of who's in your heart, you turn and you say, Jesus, there's somebody at the door for you. By the time that door begins to open, sin has made its way from your life. But do we do this? But do do we do this? Or do we say, I'll flatten the curve in my life. I'll wear a mask and, and that'll help me from this issue. I'll, I'll set up all these other things and I'll roll up my sleeve. I'll take a vaccine in, in, spiritually like in my own life. I'll, I'll set up all these things that have questionable help to me so that maybe I might be able to avoid this problem. Or do, do we... Allow Jesus to come in 
John 10, 10, if we could stand together here this morning, if musicians would please come. John 10, 10 simply says, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that you may have life and you may have it more abundantly. But that verse doesn't sit in a vacuum. In John 10 and verse 7 it says, Jesus said to them, most assuredly, or verily, verily, I say to you, I am the door. I'm the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. See, it's not just what's on the other side of the door, but it's about what doors you're opening in your life. And Jesus Christ is saying, I'm the only door you need to walk through. Every other door that came before him, every other, rewind this to verse number seven, or verse number eight. It says, everyone who came before me, Every door, every opportunity, every venue that you could walk through was thieves and robbers. But my sheep, they didn't hear him. They didn't hear the knock of the thief and the robber. Doesn't, doesn't come through my door. They, they didn't see the venue and they say, oh, I, I bet I could take this because that will get me where I need to go. I bet I could take this door and open up this door because that would really get me to where I want to be. It's saying they didn't even give it, give it a chance. What they did instead is they heard the voice of their Lord. said, I'm the door. And if anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. That when you choose your doorway to be Jesus Christ, and when you enter in through Him, when you enter out through that door, you won't find, you will not find sin prowling at the door waiting to take you. But when you place Him as the doorway into your life, I'll put it to you like this, He's the door before the door. Before I ever get to my door, I'm going through him. Before I ever, hey, before I ever even go, can I just be real today? Before I ever even go to that website, I'm going through him. Before I even send that text message, I'm going through him. I'm going to say that again. Before I even send that message, I'm going through Jesus. Before I ever even... Oh, God, help us. Before I even take that picture, I'm going through Jesus. Before I even open that book, before I even play that movie, before I even go to that website, before, I go, before anything that I do, I'm going through Jesus. 
And you will go, when you go through him, you'll go out and you won't find sin waiting there to devour you. When you go through him, you'll find pasture. He leads me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into green pastures. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Because I went through the door and he came with me and his rod and his staff, they comforted me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and sin even looks on and says, but I can't reach them because God, you set the stage. You set the tone because I went through you. So what's on the other side of your door? God, Jesus. Oh Lord, there's been things that we've been dealing with and we've been struggling with. There's been things, Lord, that I was convicted about, but now I'm callous to. God, there's been things that you talked to me about and you told me about, but I didn't listen. And now I'm at risk of killing the very thing that you've blessed me with in my life. So God... I'm taking a step back from everything. And I'm putting you as the doorway to my life. And I'm inviting you in through this life to reconstruct my life. To set me right, oh God. And to do well within my heart so that I can be pleasing to you. So here's how this works today. When you let Jesus in, you're asking him to build a door so that everything that comes in and out goes through him. Not my will, not my way, but your will be done. If this is something that you need in your life, I want to open up this altar at this time and invite you to come. Can we just come and gather around and pray? Even if you're feeling like, I don't know if anyone's going to look at me and think of something about me. Can we, I just want to invite you. Can we just get around this altar? And as you're coming, can you just come real close? Can we just get, gather in real close? Come on, there may be things that we're dealing with in our lives. You don't got to look around and feel like there's somebody else that's, that you don't got to guess what they're dealing with. You don't have to guess what may be going on. But maybe you just need something in your life to change. Maybe we can stop trying to handle the fire of sin in our lives. And maybe, maybe today we can say to God, you've talked to me about this. You've told me about this, God. And today is the day that I'm opening my door to you, Jesus, and letting you in here so that you can do a work in my life. Come on, can we begin to talk to him right now? Oh, Jesus. As you stand at the door and knock, I'm opening up my heart to you and I'm saying, God, come on in, come on in, come on in. Change what you've got to change. Rearrange what you've got to rearrange. Lord God, mold me and build in me whatever you've got to do in me, Jesus. Burn away all the dross, Lord God. Take away all the things, oh Jesus. Burn it away. Because I want to be pleasing to you. I want to be pleasing to you, God. I don't want to go another day, another day.
This is my surrender. Here is where 